Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. Probably one of the greatest books that I've ever read in my Christian life, other than, of course, God's Holy Word, is a small book written by Hudson Taylor. It was entitled Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. Um, What a great book. I've always admired reading about missionaries and those who have gone before us and done some amazing things for the kingdom of God. I came across another of Hudson Taylor's books. It's his biography that he wrote. And in his biography, he shares a story. He came home from the mission field, and before he went back to China, he was doing some medical work, and he said that one of the patients that he had as he went to do a home visit was a man who was near death. He uh, really had an infectious foot and didn't realize how bad it really was. And so he went and he would see this man and he would dress his bandages. And he did that for about two or three days. And his heart was just burdened for this guy. And so he he began to um, think and pray about how he could talk to the man about Jesus. But here's the thing he knew. The man was actually living in another Christian's home. But he was a staunch atheist. As a matter of fact, the people who owned the house brought in someone to read the Bible to him, and they ran him out of the room. They invited a a pastor to come in and talk to him, and he spit in the pastor's face. I haven't had that happen yet. (laughs) And so Hudson Taylor began to pray, Lord, I'm burdened, and I know this guy's life can be changed. And so he continued to put dressings on this guy's foot and he continued to minister to him. And, and, and he finally realized that this guy sort of lightened up a little bit and seemed to appreciate the work that he was doing. And so he used it as an opportunity and he began to talk about the Savior. And the man, he said, it was obvious, pinched his lips together and rolled over away from Hudson Taylor and totally ignored him. And so Hudson Taylor said that he would continue to go by and he would continue to look for opportunities to share the gospel. And then he finally got it in his mind that he would just leave the man alone because he did not want to harden the man's heart to the gospel by continuing to, to talk to him about Jesus. But one day, Hudson Taylor, after ministering to the man, stood at the door with the intention of just leaving. And I want you to hear his words and what he says He said, I could not get the poor man out of my mind. And very often, he said, through each day, I pleaded with God by his Holy Spirit to save him. Ere he took him hence, after dressing the wound and relieving his pain, I never failed to say a few words to him, which I hoped the Lord would bless. He always turned his back to me, looking annoyed, but never spoke a word in reply. After continuing this for some time, my heart sank. It seemed to me that I was not only doing no good, but perhaps really hardening him and increasing his guilt. 
One day, he says, after dressing his limb and washing my hands, instead of returning to his bedside to speak to him, I went to the door and stood hesitating for a few moments with the thought in my mind, Ephraim is joined to his idols. Let him alone. I looked at the man and saw his surprise. As it was the first time since speaking to him that I had attempted to leave without going to his bedside to say a few words for my master. I could bear it no longer, he says. Bursting into tears, I crossed the room and said, My friend, whether you hear me or whether you will forbear, I must deliver my soul. And went on to speak very earnestly to him, telling him with many tears how much I wish that he would let me pray with him. He went on, To my unspeakable joy, he did not turn away, but replied, If it will be a relief to you, do. I need scarcely say that I fell on my knees and poured out my whole soul to God on his behalf. I believe the Lord then and there wrought a change in his soul. Listen to this. He was never afterwards unwilling to be spoken to and prayed with. And within a few days, he definitely accepted Christ as Savior. Oh, the joy it was to me to see that dear man rejoicing in hope of the glory of God. That's a long introduction, but friends, let me tell you something. Hudson Taylor is giving us a vision of what the Apostle Paul is experiencing when he is writing to the church at Rome that his burden is great for lost people. Can I tell you that one of the things that I want to do over the next few weeks, as you see on the screen... I want to start a new sermon series and called Reach One. We have to decide as a church, no, we have to decide as individual members of the church if we're going to create within our hearts, ask God, more importantly, to create within our hearts a burden for lost people because there's lost people all around us. We go to work with people. We shop with people in different shopping venues. We have family. We know people who are lost. And even though they're not like this man, maybe dying three or four days, they are filled with a disease called sin. And they are already dead, the Bible says. And they need an awakening. They need something to happen in their hearts. Otherwise, they're going to perish in their disease of sin and be gone forever. Separated from God for all of eternity. My friends, we have to decide what we're going to do. Amen? Are we going to have this burden for lost people or are we not? And so I want to share with you a series of messages that I'm going to hopefully try to stir your hearts a little bit, but more importantly, I'm praying God stir my heart. Give me a burden. Because let me tell you something. It's easy to let the burden fade if we don't nurse it. If we don't bathe it in prayer, if we don't fill it with the heartbeat of the Father who desires for men to be saved, then we'll lose that vigor, that burden. <laughs> to go forth and to preach and to tell people about Jesus. 
And so without further ado, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 1. And I want to just look at two verses today. And I'm entitling today's message, We Are Debtors. We are debtors. You and I are debtors. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome. Listen to the words of verses 14 and 15. Paul says, I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and the unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready. Boy, let that be our heart today. I am ready, he says, to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Paul is sharing with us a burden that is on his heart. And by the way, this is not the only burden on his heart is for Rome, but his burden he'll share in chapter 9 in Romans was for his countrymen, his fellow Israelites. He had a burden for them. We read throughout the scripture that you and I ought to develop this burden for lost people, this, this burden within inside of us that moves us beyond our comfort zones and to reach those who are around us. And so when we think about the Apostle Paul as he is giving to us this idea that he is a debtor, I basically just want to look at each verse by themselves. So I'm only going to have two major points today. Isn't that amazing? No poem. But listen to what Paul says again, verse 14. Paul gives us his indebtedness. How is Paul indebted? Notice he says, he says, I am a debtor. That word debtor means to be under obligation. You know, Paul had yet to go to Rome. Paul had desired to go. Paul wanted to go, and he had yet to go. Now, he would appeal to Caesar, and he would get a free trip, right? Under lockup, guarded, he would go to Rome, and he would finally have that opportunity to influence not only the people of Rome, but to influence those even in Caesar's household. We talked a little bit about that last week in the sermon. And so the Apostle Paul writes to us and says, I am under obligation. Write that word down because that is a huge word. To be in debt, he's not talking about a financial debt. He is not financially responsible to the Roman government or to the people of Rome, but he is indebted to them nonetheless under obligation, he says. So he says, I am a debtor. I am under obligation. And by the way, that word, I am, is a present tense in the Greek. Paul says, my burden, my indebtedness never ceases to exist. I am always, I am constantly, forever a debtor to the people of Rome. Now, he knows what he says. He is a debtor, first of all, to all people. Where does he say that? Well, look at the text. Look what he says to us in verse 14. I am a debtor. Here it is. To both Greeks, that are those who are in that culture in Rome, who are actually born Greeks, who are saturated with the culture of being a Greek. That is those folks who, who according to the time that Paul lived, were the more of the intelligent people. They were the higher social status of people. Uh, people, you know, you have to understand that Greek impacted the whole world in its day. And so they were seen as a higher class of individuals and people. And then he says this, not only to the Greeks, but to the barbarians. Now these would be the, the less educated folks. This would be the, the dumber folks, okay? These would be the short bus people, all right? 
And so he says that I'm, I'm a debtor not only to the, the Greeks, those who seem to have intelligence and seem to have everything that, that society can offer, but I'm also to those who are less fortunate. Now, he says to the wise, notice the text, to the wise and to the unwise. Now, again, we could refer to the Greeks as being the wise. They're the ones that, you know, everything that came out of their philosophy, they thought they were wise. They thought they were smart. The unwise, maybe the unschooled, the unlearned, some would translate that word the fools. I think what Paul's point is that he's making is, is that He is not a respecter of individuals, a respecter of persons. He is, listen, in debt to all men. Folks, that's us. We're in debt to all men. Whoever we come in contact with daily in our lives, we're in debt to them. With what? The gospel. To preach to them the truth about Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, our Master, who we love, more importantly, who loved us. And so he says he is in debt to all men. Now, what moved Paul's heart? Well, it's not said in this text, but if you read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, when Paul is talking there about the gospel... He says that he's moved by his love for all men. So not only is he indebted to them, all of them, but he is a lover of men's souls. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 5.14. For the love of Christ compels us. So it's the love of Jesus that is inside him. It's what is brought about by what? The gospel himself. His radical change that he experienced. And out of that love that Christ loved him, he loves people. And that's what burdens his heart. Why do you think Hudson Taylor was burdened for that man? He wasn't burdened just because the man was in dire straits. He was burdened because he loved his soul. And he didn't want to see his soul perish, be separated in hell for all of eternity. Friends, when are we going to get that kind of love in our hearts? When are we going to, when are we going to be people who will love other people unconditionally, but more importantly, with an indebtedness that we owe them the gospel? That we, we have an obligation to tell them of the good news of Jesus Christ. When are we going to be moved by that kind of love? But when you think about it, there's really another indebtedness here. Not, not only is he indebted to all men because he loves them, but, but really what Paul is saying in this indebtedness is that he's truthfully, honestly, is indebted to God. You know why he's indebted to God? Because Paul himself experienced the gospel. Do you remember what Paul was doing before he was saved? He was a Jew. He was a Pharisee. He hated Christians. They laid their coats at the feet of one named Saul when they stoned Stephen and killed him for the gospel, for believing in Jesus Christ. Paul was on his way to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. And on his way to Damascus, he was going with authority, with papers in his hand to arrest Christians to persecute them, to put them in jail, and yes, if need be, kill them for the gospel. That's what he was doing. That's where he was going. Was he looking for Jesus? No. But let me tell you something. Radically, his life changed on that road, didn't it? The Lord Jesus Christ met him along the road. And Jesus Christ radically changed that man's life. 
He, he, he was so changed, though, that when he went to go preach, the, the church was hesitant to receive him because they were afraid that maybe he was doing some kind of secret mumbo-jumbo was going to get in there and try to get in the crowd and then arrest them. They were afraid of him. It wasn't for Barnabas coming alongside and encouraging him and bringing him before the congregation of the people. And, and so we see that Paul's indebted to the Father because he was saved. Listen, can I ask you a question? Are you saved today? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? More importantly, does he know you? Have you been radically born again? If you have, he didn't save you to keep it. He saved us to share it, to move it along to other people. When Paul talks about being indebted to God, it's about his salvation. But listen, listen, more importantly, Acts 9.15, listen to what it says. Acts 9.15, he says, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he has chosen, you are a chosen vessel of mine, to bear my name to the what? Gentiles, to kings, and the children of Israel. Paul was indebted to God because God gave him a mission. God gave him a a job to do. Amen. God, God gave him a ministry. He was on his way to kill people. He was on his way to cause misery. But then God gave him a ministry and he began to minister to people and to love on people and began to preach the gospel to people. And people can see the radical change in the life of Paul. Listen, we're indebted to God, folks, because he saved us. Hallelujah. Praise God. We sang about it today, but we're indebted to God because he's called us. Why on earth would God use us? I don't know. But he does. And it's through the foolishness of preaching. Not what I'm doing here today. This is preaching a different kind. But through the foolishness of preaching. That is by the proclamation of the gospel. The good news of the gospel. That is that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. As we preach that gospel is the power of God and the salvation for all who believe the Bible says. And it's you and I who are commissioned to go and to preach that gospel in the world. Amen. Are you with me this morning? We are debtors we are indebted to all men we have the responsibility to take the gospel to everyone it doesn't matter whether they smell like us look like us it does not matter whether they're from america or not from america it does not matter if they're on the social economical scheme that we are or not it doesn't matter all men all people need to hear the gospel of jesus christ and we're indebted to god because he saved us. Hallelujah. And we are commissioned by Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says in our commission. Mark 16, 15. I love it. Very simple. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's pretty simple, isn't it? That's not complicated. That's not difficult. We don't have to have a Greek scholar to parse that for us this morning. We understand it simply means get off your duff and go out there as you're living your life and preach the gospel. Amen? Is everybody you come in contact with, tell them about me. Tell them about me. Tell them what I've done for you. Tell them about the good news. Go and tell. Go and tell. Go and tell. Over and over and over again, Paul said this was his debt. This was his obligation. Now, here's the problem. The problem is when I say stuff like that, we sort of hunker down and we sort of get in our minds because the devil begins to talk to us or our flesh begins to talk to us. And here's what, here's what we hear. Obligation. Well, I'm not saved to be obligated to anything. Oh, yeah, you're right. You sure? You sure you're right about that? 
Are you sure? Just because there's an obligation, ladies and gentlemen, does not mean or negate the fact that you're saved by grace through faith alone. We're not talking about working for your salvation. We're not talking about thanking God in the sense that I have to now prove that I'm saved by doing all these things. That's not what we're talking about. We're not trying to keep ourselves saved. But we understand that God's will, God's whole plan of salvation was one disciple to another disciple to another disciple to another disciple. It is that I... Am a disciple, I make disciples. That disciple makes another disciple. That disciple makes another disciple. And that is God's plan. And that is our obligation. That is what we've been called to. That's our service to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Listen, we can serve in the church. We can do all kinds of jobs in the church. And bless God, it takes people to help the church to be organized and to do what we got to do. But let me tell you something. Your primary responsibility, along with my primary responsibility as a believer in Jesus Christ, is preaching the gospel. Amen? That's our primary responsibility. But that obligation is not a burden. That obligation is not an albatross around our neck. We're reminded by Dr. Miner. Dr. Miner wrote a commentary. In his commentary, he makes this one little statement. He says, I quote him, Obligation to him, that is to Paul, who died, produces obligation to those for whom he died. Obligation need not be joyless commitment to an unpleasant task. We are not, listen, we are not engaging in an unpleasant task. Did you not hear the ending of Hudson Taylor's story? How he was filled with endless joy and praise and glory to God and how his heart was moved. Why? Because the man he had a burden for came to know Jesus Christ as a Savior. Have you ever led anybody to Jesus? Have you ever proclaimed the gospel to someone? Statistics tell us, listen, statistics tell us in Southern Baptist life that 98% of people who sit in Southern Baptist churches never share the gospel one time. That's sad. That's a sad reality. You want to hear something even more sad? 86% of all people who sit in churches have never even invited someone to their church. That's an indictment on us. You know what that tells me? We're not burdened. We're not burdened for the souls of lost people. And we need to be burdened. We need to pray, God, give us a burden. Paul took this burden, this indebtedness, this obligation to love all men, to preach the gospel to all men, being indebted to God. And listen, he did something with it. Notice verse 15. We're going to wind down quickly. Notice verse 15. Listen to what he says. So as much as in me, he says, as much strength, as much spiritual energy and vigor that I can muster up inside me, as much as in me, notice he says, I'm ready. I'm ready to preach. That word ready is better translated eager. See, Paul did not see this obligation as a burden. He didn't see it as a a work that you get tired of doing. No, he saw it as something that was eager to get accomplished. Paul knew the lostness of men's souls depended upon his eagerness to preach. And what did he say? He's eager. He's ready. He's ready to get out there and preach the gospel. 
to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, that's our primary message. And, 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 and listen, in this series of messages that I've been praying about and preparing for us, we're going to be talking about the gospel every week. But my goal through these messages is hopefully that God will build a burden in your heart where you'll go and tell the gospel to people around us. But I hope at a minimum, I hope at a minimum, if you decide not to do that, I hope as a minimum, you'll bring them and invite them to church in order that they'll hear the gospel here. Because you know I'm going to preach the gospel every week. Every sermon I end, I beeline to the cross and I talk about the gospel. Listen, they'll at least hear the gospel here. So I'm hoping as a minimum, I'm just going to tell you up front what I'm at, my expectation. My expectation is that we get on board and we become eager and that we become burdened for the lost people to begin to share the gospel. But my, my underneath that burden is the burden that you at least, listen, more than 86% of us sitting and doing nothing, I'm hoping a great majority, 86%, will flip that and begin to invite people to church. And let me tell you, Easter is a great opportunity. Easter is a great opportunity. You want to know about that opportunity? Read your newsletter. I wrote two articles about that in the newsletter this week. About what opportunities we may have and how we're going to reach that opportunity and reach those people. So Paul said he's eager. Listen, he's eager to go and preach the gospel. And listen, specifically, Paul says he is ready to go there and preach it in Rome also. Listen, Paul had a burden for lost people. And Rome is on that outer edge, right? He's hoping to go to the capital. And let me just tell you something, folks. For Paul to go to Rome was like for Paul to go back to Jerusalem. You remember what he said when he went back to, when he was going back to Jerusalem? He's, he felt God lead him back there. And, and they didn't want him to go back. Why? Because Paul had a bounty on his head. If Paul went back to Jerusalem, guess what? It was not going to be easy. It was going to be persecution. It was going to be a tough ministry. Is it any less in Rome? Certainly not. You got a wicked ruler, a wicked political system. You got a, a culture saturated by a plethora of gods. You got a, a, a culture uh, inundated with sexual immorality. And here Paul goes to that kind of place and he says, I'm ready to preach the, the gospel. That'd be like us saying, I'm ready to go to Chicago downtown and preach the gospel. I don't know if we need to be going downtown to Chicago. Oh, Chris, you've been there, and you see what I'm saying, though? Are you with me this morning? So as, as we conclude, let me just ask three questions, and I'm done. Number one, who are you burdened for today? Who are you burdened for? See, it does no good. The rubber meets the road when we, when we have a burden for somebody specific ourselves. Number two, will you commit to pray for that person until they're saved? Let's not miss the point that Hudson Taylor gave us. That is, we're not doing this alone. We're doing this by prayer. We're, we're going out and we're inviting people and we're telling the gospel by prayer. Why? Because prayer, that connectedness to God, we're calling upon God to do his work. It's not my work, it's his work. And I'm asking God to do his work. I'm asking for the Holy Spirit to go before me to that burdened person and begin to soften the soil for the seed of the gospel. That it will be planted, what? In that good soil, that it will bear fruit. It's God's work, not my work. God, will you go in and do a work in that person's heart? So are we praying to that end? Thirdly, thirdly, 
Will you somewhere along this line as you're praying actually commit to share the gospel with that person? Here's the good news. Listen, the good news is the gospel is available in print form. You don't have to necessarily say a word. You can give them a gospel track and say, hey, I love you and I've been burdened for you and I've been praying for you. Would you read this? And you can give them a gospel track. Listen, you can go buy, listen, you can go to the bookstore and you can buy just the Gospel of John and give them a copy of the Gospel of John and the power of the Word of God will convert people. Amen? Here's the good news. The good news is you can send them online to places online that have the Gospel. And it's the true, legit Gospel. And there are places online you can find the true, legit Gospel. And they can hear the Gospel and watch the Gospel being presented online. Now, all that's great and wonderful, but listen, the best way for somebody to hear the gospel is one-on-one. For us to take the time, after we've built a relationship with them, to love them enough to give them the truth of the gospel. It's up to us, folks. It's up to us. The whole serum service series is about reaching one. Certainly, certainly, we can reach one, right? All of us in this room reach one. I don't know how many, how many here today. 190. 190 people on church campus today. That includes kids. So we had 100 and, we'll say 165 in here. 165 reaching one. Can you imagine what Easter service could be like? Think about that. Let's pray. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.